Amen. I trust you have been lifted up by our time of worship. Eh? Please remember that is from next Sunday, the 7th of March. We will be back with in-person services at our church. So let's get together for some fellowship, worship together. We are limited to 50 people, so you need to register to attend. Bring your mosque. It is a safe environment. The service is shorter, and uh, we keep the social distancing and all other protocols. It is a great experience together. For now, we are not opening kids' church, but your children can sit together with you, so bring them along. Go to our website and book your seat, and I am looking forward to seeing you back at church again next Sunday. Well, last week I started sharing with you, or I shared with you, why we can say that the return of Jesus is near. I gave you a biblical timeline showing that the next chapter in the history of mankind is the return of Jesus, the culmination period. Today we'll look at that culmination period in more detail in this message called Tribulation. As I said last week, there are a few events that happen during this time. The two main events that happen on the earth are the tribulation and the millennial reign of Christ. We are dealing today with what is called eschatology or the study of the final events in history. Generally, there is agreement amongst Christian leaders and scholars in the fact that Jesus will return. But there are differences in interpretation as to how and when these lost things will happen. The differences are around the interpretation and timing of the uh, following terms or events. First of all, rapture. And this is a term used to describe Jesus coming in the clouds to fetch his church. Then, tribulation. This is a term used to describe a period of seven years in which one man called the Antichrist or the beast rules the earth. He will create a seven-year peace treaty with Israel, but halfway through he will break it and declare himself God. It is a time when God pours his wrath upon the earth, upon the ungodly, and there will be great suffering and destruction on the earth. Then there is millennium. It is a term used to describe a 1,000-year period of peace and justice on the earth, where Jesus rules from Jerusalem and is acknowledged by the world as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, some believe that the rapture will happen before the tribulation. Some believe it will happen halfway, and some believe it will happen at the end. Some believe there will be a millennium after the seven-year tribulation. Others believe that there will be no millennium and that Jesus will just return and eternity will begin. Some believe we are already living in the millennium and when Jesus returns, he will bring the final judgment, create a new heaven, a new earth, and we'll go into eternity with him. In this message, I will share with you what we believe as a church, which is a pre-tribulation rapture, and then after the tribulation, a thousand-year reign of Christ in the earth, after which there will be then the final judgment, followed by the recreation of the new heaven and earth. And so we saw last week that we are living in the last days. And so the next big event in God's calendar is what is called the rapture. Listen to what the Word has to say about this event. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 to 18. For this I say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain 
until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So some of us will be alive when the Lord returns. The apostle wrote as if he expected to be alive himself. This is due to the blessed hope that he had concerning the return of Christ. Those who sleep means believers who are dead, who have died. It is interesting that the word does not refer to them as dead, but as sleeping. That is because of the hope, the sure hope that we have. That just like we go to sleep and then wake up the next day, the Christians that die will be resurrected. They will, they will be raised again with a new body. The dead in Christ are not dead because they are in the presence of the Lord, alive and well. Their soul and spirit are in His presence, waiting to be united to their new bodies at the resurrection. Let's continue reading, verse 16. For the Lord Himself will descend, the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, all right? And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So notice what will happen at this moment. Jesus descends from heaven. There is a shout from an archangel. There will be the sound of a trumpet from the trumpet of God. It will be a noisy event. Notice also that this will be heard by believers only because only believers respond to this. First of all, the dead will rise. That's the first thing that happens. And then we who are alive, first they are resurrected, and then we get changed and we are taken up with them. Amen? Here is our description of this event. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment... In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. <laughs> Again, you see that it will be in an instant. The dead in Christ from the first century until that day will be raised in their glorified bodies. Those who are alive will be changed into their glorified bodies and then they will meet the Lord. This is how Jesus spoke about this event. Matthew 24, verses 38 to 42. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. And so the Lord will return in a day like any other where people are going about their daily lives as usual. This is what happened at the flood. Noah and his gang were getting ready and were prepared for the flood. They were also going about their lives, eating, drinking. Noah's sons got married, but they were getting ready to be taken up. And they knew when it was time to go up into the ark. In their case, they were preparing an ark for which they were ridiculed by many. In our case, we are preparing spiritually by living a life of holiness, not getting involved in many ungodly things of this world, for which many believers ridicule us as well. And many Christians are even persecuted for their faith. But suddenly, the flood, the wrath of God came upon them. 
but Noah and his family, who had obeyed God, they were taken up in the ark. Jesus continued, verse 40, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. You see there, one will be left because they were not ready. They were not looking forward to the return of the Lord. The other was taken because they were ready. They were living godly lives and looking forward to the return of the Lord. So when the trumpet sounded, they were changed and were taken up. And the one who was left behind stood looking around wondering what had just happened. Once the rapture takes place, the Antichrist will be revealed. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. There were believers in the church of Thessalonica who were confused about the return of the Lord and our gathering unto Him, our being caught up to Him. They were shaken and troubled, even thinking that the Lord had maybe already come, that the rapture had maybe already taken place and maybe they'd been left behind. And listen, this confusion is still happening today. Many people are confused and even fearful of the days we are living in, thinking we are living in the days of the great tribulation that the Bible speaks of. He says in verse 3, Let no one deceive you by any means. All right? Do not be deceived. For the day of the Lord will not come. Listen carefully. The day. When he's talking about the day, I'm talking about that chapter 6 of the Bible, the whole sort of conclusion of things, the whole culmination, the tribulation and the thousand years. That will not happen. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. I'll do these two things. The falling away and the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. So there is your answer. The day of the Lord, which refers to some tribulation, has not come and will not come until two things happen. Number one, the falling away or Apostasy. Now listen carefully. We can see this happening or starting to happen today in our days. Statistics show that the number of committed believers is diminishing in some nations, not in all the world. It's not just a matter of not attending church, which is also happening, but a matter of people turning their backs on foundational teachings of the Word of God and rather embracing humanistic worldly views. There is slowly but surely a hostility developing towards Christianity because they cannot accept the boundaries and moral standards that the Lord has set in His Word. But this apostasy will continue to increase. At the same time, 
as many will continue coming to the Lord, there will also be a growing hostility towards Christ and His church. It's like that middle ground is ceasing to exist and Christians are getting very on fire and very committed and the non-Christians are getting very hostile. We're coming to those days whether you're either hot or you're cold, that middle ground is beginning to disappear, to be eroded. We are seeing these things happening now. But the second thing that he mentioned, the apostle mentions, is still to happen. He says, the man of sin must be revealed. And this man of sin is the Antichrist. He will be able to negotiate a seven-piece treaty with the Middle East. There will be peace between Israel and its neighbors. This man will be honored and respected by world leaders who will turn to him for global leadership. The idea of uniting the world into one global community that lives together in peace and mutual cooperation, this idea already exists. And there are many world world leaders already working towards this goal. It all sounds beautiful until you realize that it is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy concerning the Antichrist. The Temple of Israel will be rebuilt and temple worship will resume. But halfway through the seven-year period, this guy will break his treaty with Israel. He'll go into the temple and demand to be worshipped as God. And this will usher in what is known as the Great Tribulation, the last half of those seven years, the last three and a half years. And so, so far this man has not been revealed. So the time of tribulation is not upon us yet. And so Paul continues... Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? Huh? And now you know what is restraining that he, this man, may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So it is important to understand this. The spirit of lawlessness is already in the world. It has always been from the first century. But it is increasing its manifestation. We have seen clearly lately in in many places of the world, lawlessness, riots, political unrests, violence. We are witnessing and feeling the effect of the spirit of lawlessness right here in South Africa. And we will hear more about it on a global level. But there is a restraining force on earth which sets boundaries on how far the spirit of lawlessness can go. There is a restraining force on the earth hindering this man of sin from coming into focus and doing his work. And this force that he's restraining is the Holy Spirit working through the church. You see, my brother and my sister, you do not realize the work that the Holy Spirit is doing through you on the earth. You do not realize how much your commitment to live a holy life and to please God is affecting your world, your footprint on the earth. Every time you choose 
the way of the Lord above the way of the world, you are opposing the spirit of lawlessness and you are influencing the unbelievers around you. Every time you pray for needs, you pray for others, Every time you call on the Spirit of of the Lord in any given situation, you are restraining the spirit of lawlessness and you are restraining the manifestation of the Antichrist. Hallelujah. But when the rapture happens, the church will be gone. Nobody to pray. Nobody to push back against the work of darkness. The work of the Holy Spirit through the church will be no more on the planet the person of the Holy Spirit will still be active on the earth because there will still be work to do among those who repent during the tribulation time. But the active body of Christ through whom the Holy Spirit worked will be no more. And so chaos will reign. This is what Jesus said of this time, Matthew 24, 21. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Wow. Jesus told his followers that in this world, we will have tribulation. And we have experienced different levels of tribulation depending on where you were born and other factors. We have the privilege of worshiping openly here, but many of our brethren live in countries where there are persecuted, imprisoned, and even killed just for believing and following Jesus. But Jesus, when he talks about this great tribulation, he says this great tribulation will be worse than anything we have experienced. So think of the worst times in history, the ugliest wars, the deadliest pandemics, the most tragic natural disasters. The great tribulation will be worse than all that. And this is because in this time, God will pour His wrath upon the ungodly. Revelation 16, 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. And as you read on that chapter, you read about the waters of the sea and rivers turning red like blood. You read of fires and droughts and a massive earthquake and and large hailstones. Man, there there is so much more as you read the other chapters that brings much anguish to the people of the earth at that time. And this is why it's important to be saved. One of the things that we are saved from is the wrath of God. We read in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 that we wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Hallelujah. Much of what you see happening on earth today, much of the tribulation we go through at this stage is due to the wrath of men. Mankind causes war, persecution, destruction, and imbalancing nature. Persecution of believers. These are all products of the wrath of men due to their ungodliness. But during the great tribulation, the wrath of God will be poured upon the earth. Listen, we do not have to fear that because we will not be there. And while this is going on in the earth, just after the rapture, all believers raised from the dead or transformed because they were alive, they will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14, 10 and 12. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 
So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. In 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13, we read now, If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So each one of us, we will have to give an account of ourselves. Each one of us can stand alone before Christ and give an account of His works, what you've done with your life. This judgment is not going to be about going to heaven or going to hell. That is settled. We are redeemed, okay? But it will be to evaluate our works on earth and receive rewards. Then there will be what is called the marriage supper, where we break bread with Jesus. It is what Jesus referred to at, at the Last Supper when he said he would not drink of the cup until he did it in his kingdom. It will be a time of joy and great celebration, also preparation, for after this we shall descend with Christ to rule and reign with him on the earth. By this time, the Antichrist has managed to rally the nations of the world to come up against Jerusalem in a massive war. Just as they are about to destroy Jerusalem, Jesus comes from heaven in great power. He does not come quietly as he did the first time. He comes to do battle and to reign. He defeats the Antichrist and his armies. Satan, the Antichrist, his demons and followers are in prison for a thousand years. And the millennial reign of Jesus begins. The day of the Lord has come. It started with judgment upon the earth as the wrath of God was poured out. But now there will be peace and justice for a thousand years. At the end of that time, Satan is let loose for a while again. He manages again to turn people against Christ and comes against Christ with his host. But again, Jesus defeats him. Then when the remaining dead are raised, because in the first resurrection only the believers were resurrected, they come before the wide throne of God and are judged. Those who are not found in the book of life are thrown in the lake of fire together with Satan and his demons forever. And then Revelation 21.1 comes to pass. Revelation 21.1 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. This age passes away and we enter a new age with a new heaven and a new earth. No more sin, no more death, no more injustice. We live for eternity with God in what I believe will be an exciting and wonderful future. Am I ready for the return of Christ? Are you? <laughs> I am confident because I won't be here for the tribulation. I don't need to speculate who the Antichrist is because when he is revealed, I won't be here. I will not have to make the choice of taking the mark of the beast or not because I will not be here. But now listen carefully. I told you there are differences of opinions. What if I am wrong? Well, if I am wrong and it is no pre or mid-tribulation rapture, then it means that the Lord will give us as a church the strength to fight together, to reject the mark together and stand for Christ and if necessary to die for our faith in Him. This world is not getting better. It will one day, but only when Christ returns. And so no matter what end time view you have, what we need is to be ready for His coming. And how do we do that? 
Back to Titus chapter 2, 11 to 14. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Amen. When Jesus comes, not all will be ready. If you just call yourself a Christian, but you are not endeavoring to live a holy life to please God, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ as we have just read in this passage, and then I plead with you, do it. Do it today. Don't, don't delay. Don't, don't, don't wait any, any longer. Surrender your life to Jesus. Repent from your sins today. Be saved today. And then you can live every day with the joy and assurance that whenever He comes, you are ready. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Father, we have this blessed hope, Lord God, that you are coming, that you are returning soon. As you look at the world around us, we realize that prophecy of the prophecy is being fulfilled. I mentioned some things here today, but there's so much more. So help us to be alert, Lord God, to be discerning, and to be ready. And listen, even if you have not given your life to Christ, right now, make a simple prayer. Just pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I confess I'm a sinner. I turn my back on sin and I receive as my Lord and Savior. I put my faith and my trust in you. I declare that you are Lord, my Lord, my Savior. I believe that you died, you are buried, and you rose again, and you are alive forever, and you will return. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, that simple prayer changes a person's eternity. Tell somebody, write us, let us help you, let us send you something that can encourage your growth. And let us stay firm, amen, holding on to this blessed hope because Jesus is coming soon. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday, a wonderful week, and see you next Sunday. Amen.